0: I think more so than anything, what we're seeing in the corporate world is that employers don't run the show. They don't. And if you really look at it, I think when when you start to see really good cultures around the country in the corporate world, they realize that the employee comes
1: first. Welcome to the follow up from Premier Speakers Bureau, featuring in-depth conversations with the world's most in-demand keynote speakers. I'm Brian Lord, President here at Premier Speakers Bureau. I'm excited to have, I'm a huge football fan, so I'm excited to have on three-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Pro Bowl selection, and part of the Dallas Cowboys Ring of Honor, Darren Woodson. After retiring from the NFL, Darren worked as a football analyst for 14 years at ESPN. Uh, he's transitioned, big word for him, uh, his leadership skills in the commercial real estate industry, tech industry, where he's currently a managing principal at uh, Crescent Global Inc. And he's also really active in the community sports, the C5 Youth Foundation of Texas and several other organizations. So, Darren, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Uh, Brian, thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate the time.
1: Well, I, speaking of that, I mean, I like this is so timely. You know, there's so many people right now in the corporate world, personal life, everything else, that are going through transitions. You know, they've, they've uh, whether it's transitioning from work environment to virtual, back to work, Um, or changing jobs, you know, we've had so many people go through that. Or even if you're still at the same company, what you're doing may have changed. You've transitioned to something completely new. So you're somebody who went college to pro um, and then to ESPN, business owner, so many different things. How do you handle transitions?
0: Uh, I think, first of all, I've always had to reinvent myself. So getting to know who I am. And what I can accept and what I can't accept. One, I mean, I think a lot of us always want to point the finger to say, you know, what's out there, you know, what's what's going to happen here, what's the di- disruption, and they're pointing their finger at what's going to happen. For me, I've always had to point it back to myself and say, hey, is this something that I really am passionate about? If I'm not passionate about it, I'm not giving, I'm not putting my time into it. You know, I have, I have a set, I have a set of core values that I live by. And if they don't meet my core values, then, you know, why go down that road? Because I'm not going to give you all the effort that's needed to be successful. And I think that's where a lot of people get get confused. Instead of looking outside, look inside and figure out what you want, because we only know you, the, the person in the mirror is the one who tells you every day what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. And, and, I, and I think that's where you start first and then understand that you're going to have to have some humility through the process. And laugh at yourself because I can remember, Brian, going from one transition from the NFL after 13 years and then going into ESPN as an analyst and had no background in journalism at all, never spent any time on TV. ESPN throws me right on on the set, first day, (laughs) and I can't tell you where the cameras are. There's someone talking in my ear. I'm fumbling all over the place. I have my buddies my mom. Even my mom is calling me and telling me, son, I don't know what you're doing, but you are.
1: Terrible!
0: You going to love those moms. They're gonna be honest. Yeah, you gotta love them. Though, just to be honest. But you, you can't laugh at yourself and have some humility, and then start to think, okay, how can I get better? If all this, if this is what I want to do, I better go get some coaching. And that's the first thing I did when I made that transition. It was a hard transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it? I went through some embarrassment, but at the same time, I I figured out that the only way I was going to do this is if if I held myself accountable and, and brought on people. That can teach me through it, and I think that's what we all have to do. Is if, if you're transitioning into a new role, if you're you're not happy with your job and you're looking to move move on, get to know yourself, and then figure out you know what you want to do and how you want to set up the processes to get there.
1: Yeah, I think that's so interesting. Like you know, you assume there will be some coaching and guidance. I mean, ESPN is the worldwide leader in sports. Oh yeah, and they didn't they didn't give you a coach. No, they didn't. They don't just
0: you know give you a coach. You have to ask
1: because listen, there's a lot
0: of guys, and I'll tell you, you know, there's there's some guys that are at ESPN that are naturals. Ryan Clark coming out of the league, got coming out of the NFL, he's a natural. This is, and and he's been studying journalism since he was at LSU. And, and there's some other some other guys that are like that. And they, I think ESPN expects you uh, uh, after watching you do interviews, and, and and it's one thing when they're interviewing you at the mic and you're just talking football, your team specific. And that's pretty easy. But when you have to talk about the Indianapolis Colts and who the GM of the, of the Indianapolis Colts is and who the GM for the Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, it gets a little bit, you know, you get a little bit outside of yourself. And again, I had to go fi- go hire a coach to help me. And uh, and it was an outside coach outside of ESPN.
1: I, I know with you, with your, with your jobs, whether it's ESPN, um, college, pros, whatever it may be, you've had a lot of coaches, you know, with transitions, I think maybe you have maybe like five coaches for the, for the Cowboys. And, and, um, what makes to you, what makes a good coach, which makes a good leader. And I would love to hear like your favorite, maybe famous coach. And then maybe that like skill coach that nobody's ever heard of, or a few people have heard of that really resonated with you and why.
0: Yeah. You know, there was, the one coach that, uh, that I had was that, that really changed perspective, my perspective on how to be a leader. Was Bill Parcells, and you know, Bill Parcells was a was a coach who you know played, you know, coached the Giants, coached the Patriots for for a number of years. Was uh, Bill Belichick's mentor, and Parcells came in in my last two years with with the Dallas Cowboys, and then at that time, you know, I had done eleven years in the NFL. I thought I knew everything, uh, and had been a captain for ten of those eleven years at the time before Parcells got there. And he taught me a different way and of how to lead. And and that way was, you know, one-on-ones. He was big on taking the players outside of the locker room to the coffee shop down the street and to get them outside of their natural environment and get to know the players individually. He did that the first day I met him. He and I stepped outside and went to go have a, have a cup of coffee, which I wasn't even a coffee drinker, but he was like, this is what you're going to do. We're going to go spend this time together. And he wanted to know who I was. He wanted to know my family, how many kids I had. And, and, and that's one thing that I've taken um, throughout the process of being a leader those last couple of years I had with him. And then, then I've taken that same type of model into the corporate corporate world as well. Like when I bring on, or when we bring on new employees, we got to get to know them. And it it comes from, you know, from up top to the managerial role on down of getting to know those that are inside your office. Because the culture has got to, it has to be in a way, if you're looking for success, you have to build the right culture to get everybody on the same page. And what's best when you can actually sit down at the coffee machine inside the office and ask, uh, you know, Rachel, you know how's her husband john doing how are the kids doing and knowing those kids by name that that to me is leadership and 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 the one thing parcells told me he said the, the one thing you have to do as a leader is you have to like people <laughs> i mean it's that's, if you don't like people you can't lead because leaders are going to have to pour themselves into folks they're going to have to spend time and put time into others and if you don't want to do that you you can't be in this role and that's the god honest truth and it's that simple it was that simple and, and i felt, I've always felt like i've always had everyone else's best interest at heart and uh, it, it allowed me to you know take some of that what he taught me and really apply it and and not not just apply it but be intentional about applying those all uh, those rules and, and, and taking people out outside of their environment to have those meetings.
1: Yeah. And then, so is that something that, that other people took to heart as well? You know, when they, other leaders on the team because obviously you're a team captain. That's probably why you were one of the first people that he took out. Um, yeah. but did you see that filter in through the organization?
0: I didn't, it didn't filter into the organization as a whole. The guy started to know that I was doing, noticed that I was doing it because I just started scheduling the off season, just scheduling time with, with guys. It really showed itself in the on the corporate side. Because when I started, you know, when I got involved in the, uh, with commercial real estate and had a team, uh, now that team is at, of, of, of 85 people in, in our office. It's for my partners. My partners saw that I was doing it. I'm the one who brought it into the office and now the partners are doing it. And it's just a part of, of what we do. We, ha- we have a sales force that tells you who everyone is, who their wife, who their spouses are, husband, wife, how many kids they have, what grades the kids are. And it's a cheat sheet. You know, early on, it's kind of like a cheat sheet to when I'm walking around the office. If it's someone's birthday, I can just rattle it off. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's good. great to see your kid, you know, Sammy's birthday today, blah, 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 blah. blah. And I don't have to look at it. I can just get it and go. But, you know, those are some of the perks that you just have to to learn along the way that means so much. You may not think they mean a lot. It means, you know, we're not casual by just saying, hey, how are you, Brian? No, it's, hey, Brian. How's, you know, how's your wife, Sandy doing, blah, 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 blah.
1: You know, some of the things that you've gone through would change everything else. When you went, what are some of the difficult transitions? So obviously you have somebody who's like a great leader, like uh, Parcells, who comes in and does that. And, and, you know, you had a lot of them on that team. Who were some of the other player leaders that you had that you really looked up to?
0: I uh, played with a guy named Michael Irvin. <laughs> uh, now, Michael Irvin is half crazy, Brian. You probably know this by just watching him on TV. Yeah, he's a wide
1: receiver. You know, he's a
0: wide receiver, loud yeah. mouth, flamboyant, You know, wears the bright yellow, bright colored shirts and suits and all and uh, talks loud. But when I first got into the league in the NFL, you know, I, I watched a man work harder than anyone. I've always prided myself on being a hard worker and mm-hmm. being diligent uh, about the game and being a professional. Uh, Michael Urban outworked me triple the time. And he mm. gave it was a, a good understanding for me. It was a, a humbling understanding for for me because I, I sat there and watched this guy work out early in the morning and then he'd run routes uh, with the with the quarterback in the morning. And then he'd come back later on. He'd work out again and he'd run routes by himself mm. to work on his hands and his technique and all those type of things. And it was just a, you know, he led by example. Mm-hmm. And yeah, was he loud? Yes, but we watched him put the time in, and that to me was very inspiring. Because you know his his thought process was, "I can't get there unless I drag you guys along, unless you see me put the work in," mm-hmm. and and that's saying something to and, me. And that and that goes across all boundaries. That doesn't matter what you're doing, even as a parent, if you're putting the work in, your kids will see it. Mm-hmm. If you're okay. consistent every single day and you're just showing up, it, people will see and they'll recognize. I have a young man and I don't want to get off that, but I have a young man in my office who who uh, in the commercial real estate, you know, I have 35 brokers within the office. And, you know, there's there's a few kids, that, a few guys that come in, guys and girls that come in early in the morning. But this one's in, in particular. His name is Clint. Clint comes in the office every day at seven 10, 7, 15 a.m. And he stays until 7 p.m. at night. He is the most consistent person that I know within that office. And he's only 32 now. So he started to start in the office twenty-five at 25 years old. I've watched this kid progress over time. And the one thing that's always been obvious is because he's been so consistent and you know where he is, we bring him in on deals mm-hmm. because he's there. Just because he's available, he's getting on deals. And that's something that I've had to teach my kids. The same thing is if you just show up, if you just show up, good things will happen. It's not going to happen in your first four months. You don't expect it. Maybe it's a year and a half. But in a year and a half time, if you just keep chopping that wood, Mm -hmm. here it comes. And that's, man, to me, that's like the best advice that I can give any young man, (laughs) young woman is, just be consistent and show up and people will recognize. it.
1: No, I, that's great. I love it. Um, one of the things, too, I know that you talk about people, a lot of people ask you about, especially being somebody who's such a hard worker. Um, you know, how how would people um, how would you deal with burnout or how do you deal with that now? Or if that's something that's happening, because that's something that's just going around so much in you know the corporate world right now. But but how would you deal with burnout?
0: You know, I always hear people say, oh, I'm grinding, I'm just grinding and I'm grinding. I, I don't think grinding is good for you. Honestly, I don't think that's something that you should be proud of, mm-hmm. uh, that you have to actually grind every day. Me, grinding to me means, kind of means, well, I'm doing things against my will, things that I really don't care to do, but I got to go do it. I think the one thing yeah. that I've always looked at is you, find your passion. Mm-hmm. It's got to be something that you're doing, not do, you're not doing it for the money. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, what is the passion? that you that that that's right in front of you that you're willing to go through whatever it is to do it that's to me is is is, is part of you know you know being successful is you know finding it in that niche knowing what it is and then moving forward with it so hopefully i answered your question you know yeah I, 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 yeah
1: no, I appreciate it. Uh, so I, we did get one of the great things about, uh, you know, interviewing Darren Woodson is if you put out on, on uh, LinkedIn that you're trying to get some questions, you'll get some back. Um, but uh, so a couple of uh, questions here. Uh, this one's from Dr. George Lucas, not the uh, Star Wars guy. Um, how is starting a business um, different in 2022 than when you first started in business?
0: Oh, man, I, I tell you what, you, you know, it's, it's been difficult. It, it really is. And I, and, and to those entrepreneurs that are out there, man, God bless you. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, things have changed. It's a lot of you know diversity and inclusion has become a part of it and accepting. Uh, and we've, we've had to become more accepting in, in, in within our office and, and being more transparent and having conversations. I think more so than anything, what we're seeing in the corporate world is that employers don't run the show. They don't. And, and if you really look at it, I think when, when you start to see really good cultures around the country in the corporate world, they realize that the employee comes first. Those that are showing up every day, the employee comes first. How do I treat my employees? Like if my employees are, are sitting and, and telling me that their needs are i need to be at starbucks early in the morning at seven o'clock to get some work done or hey i can work i can work from home and get this done i need to have a an open ear to hear that i can't shut it down i think there was a time in the past where it was my way or the highway <laughs> and and then and everyone was always on 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 pins and needles because the employer controlled every situation now, with all the labor issues that we with, that we've had over the past, now with the competition that's out there, you just don't. You know. Most of the people that are in the working workforce right now, they have other opportunities because there's so many opportunities that are out there. You mm-hmm. have to get the right culture. And the only way you can get that is if you listen to to what you know, the employees are saying to you. Stop thinking that you control it. You don't. They'll tell you. Hey, we need to, you know, we would we would love to have certain things within the office. We would love to have a time where, you know, if I, if I need to stay home, maybe uh, do a hybrid system and work from home a couple of days, you know, get to know who they are. And then understand that, listen, that those might be opportunities where you have to bend and give, but don't be, don't think that you can sit there today and play hardball. It doesn't work that way anymore.
1: Uh so next one uh this is from Shane Wells of JCB North America who also claims he was a hard-hitting high school safety uh <laughs> back in the day which I'm sure one thing I've learned working with uh professional athletes for 20 years they love hearing about people's high school football days. Oh, anyway, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um any feelings in business or leadership since leaving the Cowboys uh are are there any feelings in business or leadership since you've left the Cowboys that compare to the feeling of winning a Super Bowl?
0: oh man yeah we just went i just no i look that's a good one right who is it james asked that question shane, shane wells shane answered asked that question look i that's a that's a hard one so look i think there's something about winning a championship or winning a super bowl that can never be taken away there's there's you know of course the joy of of, 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 of accomplishment but it's also the relationships that allowed you to get there. And I can remember a time when winning when my first one in 92 and winning a championship, just being around those guys and knowing that all the sweat and tears you put in, you know, think about, you know, everybody's watches us play on Sunday, but what they don't see is Monday morning when you're banged up and you can't walk and mm-hmm. your wife is helping you get to the tub or, yeah. you know, your kids are sitting there watching you with, you know, turf burns and ankle injuries. And, you know, you're going through this You're just like anyone else in this world on Monday through, you know, Saturday and then Sunday's game. But what they don't see is just the time you put in um, at practice and watching film and spending time with your your teammates and being there from six o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock at, you know, seven, eight o'clock at night. I mean, and building those relationships and, they, and you're doing it. And, and, and 52 other guys in that locker room are doing the exact same thing that you're doing. So it's a, mm-hmm. it's a commitment to this excellence that, you know, you that I'll never forget. I'll yeah. I'll never forget when I was down and out in the locker room and guys were picking me up after you know I gave up a touchdown and guys were like hey man encouraging me to get there. Those are things you just never forget. So I I don't know if I will ever have that feel or that feel of walking down the tunnel and you have goosebumps because you're about to go into a, one of the biggest games of your life, man. That I just I I don't I don't know if I can get that feeling back. But what I can get. in in the corporate world is you know we just went through my my commercial real estate firm just went through an acquisition Mm -hmm. and and it was one of the greatest moments of achievement that uh myself and my partners had gone through and Mm -hmm. it was just phenomenal man when we when we inked the deal got it done just you know we changed lives man there's a lot of lives that change and and our employees are now shareholders uh, big time shareholders. And i watched lives. i I watched people cry because they never had these opportunities for wealth. Yeah. And, uh, that, that was a huge enjoyment for me as well.
1: That's awesome. You can tell you do like people you've, you've, uh, you've lived. Oh, love it. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, next one here from Steve Foudy, has there ever truly been such a thing as work work-life balance in your career experiences? The Hell no.
0: <laughs> no, and no, don't let anybody ever tell you that there's a work-life balance, man. I, I just don't believe that there really is. I, I think when you become balanced, you become you, you just become mediocre. I, I think there's look. I, I, I'm a firm believer that I'm built a little different, um, and I have some friends who are you know that are, that are successful that are built a little different. I'm type A, and you know, I burn hot. I mean, I, I just. You know, there's some things that I want and I know I'm half ass crazy. I mean, there's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So, um, you know, balance is not a part of look, do you know, my core values are my, 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 my faith and my family. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's, that's my core values. And I have other ones that, that come along, along with it, but those two are right in front, front and center. And I'm not going to let anything come in between my faith and my family. And then, from there, it goes on. But I, I just think that imbalances in, in for me is it, it leans really high on my family and my faith. And then down here is, OK, if, if it doesn't interrupt with, you know, one and two, then I'm going hard at it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I just don't believe that there's a balance that's out there that like you can have this you know, work balance because everything's always forever changing, even in the job situation. You know and, and and here's the balance for me right i have to get up in order for any type of balance i have to get up every day at 5 15 5 20 to get a workout in before mm-hmm. i take my son to, or have breakfast with my son before i take him to school and then when i'm at work now here it is i'm going 100 at work but then at 4 30 here again i'm gone i'm out i'm yeah. gonna go spend you know coach my son's baseball team his basketball team whatever it is right Mm-hmm. And, and, and in those situations, there's never really a balance. My balance is, hey, my family's going to go first and I got to mm-hmm. adjust to that. And then whatever happens, happens from there.
1: Uh, next question from Tom Bonanski. I'd be interested to hear what his personal motivation was that he had to grow into the football player he became. And subsequently, if that same inner drive is what. F- fuels his success in business. Seems pretty close to what we are just talking about, but uh.
0: yeah, yeah, I, I did. But I think, you know, look, I think where I get it from, man, where, I, you know, similar to what the question is, where I get it from is that I've watched my mom work two jobs. I'm a project kid, Henson Projects, Phoenix, Arizona, then moved to the, to the west side of, of Maryville area in Phoenix. Um, I watched my mom work two jobs for 38 years. Mm-hmm. And and in watching her sacrifice and, and give those just give her time for four kids and me being the youngest, it just showed me, man, what what, you know, sacrifice is all about. And I'm I'm a firm believer that I only have so many years on this earth. I only have, so, you know, <laughs> why not burn hot and get what do what I want to do get in and accomplish the things that and not have fear um, out there because I've watched a woman without fear do it with, for four kids in the hardest environment. And Hey, if she can do it, man, I I can't complain, brother. Yeah. I cannot complain.
1: Yeah. No, I, I had one of those moms too. So that's, that's awesome. Um, uh, this question is for, uh, uh, Marjana Novkovich, what's your take on the importance of the huddle in business and life?
0: Oh man. Uh, Well, look, if it's, that's the question, that is something that there's a reason why I left ESPN, um, in the time I did in the 13 years I was there, I always felt like when I was in the NFL there was that huddle there was that locker room presence where uh you were you, you were part of a team atmosphere and and there's you there was accountability partners and you know people lifting you up and you're lifting people up there's that huddle if, the, if that's what she's talking about and that I think that that's been special so when I went to ESPN, there was no huddle. Mm. It was me and the camera, and it was me you know doing my own homework, watching film by myself. Um, and then going up on camera and then talking about it, but I never felt like I lost that feeling of that team, that huddle, that, you know, accountability. And it wasn't until I, you know, started with the, the, got involved with the, my commercial real estate firm and being a, come up, becoming a partner and having, and working in teams that I get that feeling back. And I think that's the greatest feeling, man. I mean, I, I, I don't think I, there's Brian, I don't think I've ever accomplished anything in my life by myself. Mm. I really don't I don't think there's not one goal that I've accomplished that someone did along the line didn't like lift me up when I fell down or give me a break um, or see me suffering and and you know open a door for me. I just even to this day and I've had some good successes and good wins and all but you know there's always been someone along the way within that little huddle that's hey, you know, provided me a lift.
1: Great. Uh, two more questions. Uh, both from uh, people here, so I say the best for last. So one, uh, Brian Palmer, who's been in the industry like forty some years here. Um, he wants to know what still hurts. <laughs> Brian, who said that Brian? Brian Thomas. Palmer. Brian
0: Palmer. Uh, yeah. What still hurts? I just had, sh- I just had my eleventh surgery <laughs> eight weeks ago. So uh, I had shoulder surgery, um, a half a replacement uh on my left side about nine weeks ago yep uh my feet hurt every once in a while again like i I haven't had any surgeries below the waist right no knees no ankles which i'm blessed to not have Yeah. but uh my feet hurt in the morning still when i wake up uh every once in a while my neck will go out and and these are and I'm one of the guys that that actually left in good shape. One of my great friends is Charles Haley, who I just saw yesterday and spent half a day with. He's got a rod in his back. He's got both knees replaced. He's about to get his elbow fixed here the next week. And he's got to get his neck done next year. So it's like, you know, I'm I'm I have no complaints. I'm <laughs> that's why these. you
1: stay as far away from the line as you can. <laughs> that's that's right. why you got to be like a receiver, safety, a, wide receiver, a kicker, so much smarter. How about a kicker. Long snapper? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I guess in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And so last one, this one comes from a uh, Texan lifelong Cowboys fan, uh, Sean Hanks. Um, uh, what team did you like beating the most?
0: Oh, man, Sean, I, I, I'm i telling you, when I first got into the league, it's, this has changed over time. But when I first got into the NFL, um, in 89, I think the Giants won the Super Bowl. In 90, or is it 89, 90, one of those two? But I know in 91, there was like three straight years, either the Giants. It was two straight years. The Giants won it, and then the Washington Redskins won it, won the championship. And then in 92 – the Cowboys won it. So it was three teams in the NFC East Yeah, uh, that were just loaded. And then the Philadelphia Eagles at that time with Buddy Ryan and that group, they were loaded with talent as well. Yeah, uh, We needed to get through the East and become the beast in the East. So those those three teams I just named, the Cowboys, I mean, uh, the Giants, the Redskins, the Eagles, my God. Like, <laughs> There were some rivalries there, and it wasn't just easy rival, these are hard-fought games. Um, yeah, and then on the outside of that was San Francisco in the mm-hmm. NFC Championship, who we normally they played the easy, they played the easy. <laughs> um, but those though it was about those four teams, and as time went on, I would say, and, and and I think the rivalry really has grown over the last seven or eight years has been with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. That's been the big uh Cowboys rival, and I can't Look, I know the Eagle fans, and if you're out there, Eagle fans, <laughs> I don't care. I know you don't like me, and I don't like you either. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Darren, thank you so much for for joining us and uh, you know sharing some of about leadership transition. Um, you know, finding joy in different places, you know, being part of a team and, and so many things that apply to so many different people. So thank you again for coming on and joining us here on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Hey,
0: Brian, it. thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate your
1: time. Thank you for joining us for the follow-up. To learn more about today's guest, go to premierspeakers.com. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen.